Well, I love her, but I love the fish. Welcome to the official podcast of Trout Porn Nation, your source for the best in fly fishing media from around the globe. Support for this podcast comes from 5280 Angler. 5280 Angler is your premier guide service for walk and wade trips in the Denver Front Range. They are passionate about service and wild about fish. For more info, go to 5280angler.com. So, took a small break, little kind of shuffling of people. So now, we've got Ron Poor on with us and Karen Miller of Zen, Zen Tenkara, correct? Zen Tenkara. There we go. How's it going, man? Good. You're the super guide slash outfitter, from what I can see? Yes, I am. Nice. Run a little outfit in Nebraska. Ah. So you get them big, fat white tails. Fat turkey. Fat turkey. Fat trout? Not in Nebraska. Just here. Boxwood. We go to Boxwood for those. Yeah, I run I run bow country outfitters in Indianola, Nebraska. It you know, by doing that outfitting service it helps me enable myself to be a good fly fishing guide all summer. So I'm out there in the fall, uh, winter, and then again in the spring and then I'm on the rivers all summer. Okay. So you do what do you do? Turkey, whitetail? Yep. Archery is my niche. Okay. That's a, that's a tough sell on a turkey archery. Yeah, but it's, it's tough you know, to get them on the shotgun. You know, it's, it's a lot like fly fishing. Once when you learn how to catch a trout on the fly, it's hard to go back to bait or spinning. Yeah. It's the same thing with hunting. Once when you start killing animals with a bow and arrow, it's hard to pick up the gun anymore. Okay. They're, they're really similar a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Karen, do you hunt? I hunt fish. Karen hunts fish. With my so let's uh, let's hear let's hear about some Tikara stuff. What do you got? Uh, what do you want? Anything. <laughs> Let the world know what they don't know. Oh wow! How much time do we have? <laughs> Three minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Three uh, minutes. Go. Yeah. No. Uh, Tikara is awesome, and it's uh, it's growing, and it's it's not. It's not just for small fry anymore. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yeah. I hear, I hear some guys cleaned up at the San Juan on Tinkara Rods. Oh, yeah. we killed it. We killed it down there. You know, I was a big naysayer. About ten, I'd see guys on the river with Tinkara, and i just, you know, I, you know, all these guys are playing. And then uh, Karen came down, and she uh, instructed all the guides, and we subsequently got certified as Tinkara guides. Um actually got to take the sticks down to the San Juan on our spring trip and and I gave it two full days on the San Juan with just Tenkara and we slaughtered it. Big fish. You know, I never could believe you could catch a twenty plus inch fish on Tenkara. We were catching twenty plus inch on Tenkara. I was just amazed. And it was so much fun. I'm a believer. Nice. Yeah. And we've got Zen is all about defining American Tenkara. So we've got small rods for small fish, but we're also doing crazy things. So I was in Florida two months ago for shark on Tenkara. Really? And tarpon on Tenkara. And I'm hoping... How'd that go? Yeah. Damn good. Yeah, Did yeah. you catch a shark on a Tenkara? I caught a shark on a Tenkara. Right. Big shark? Uh... Yeah, pretty good size, wow. you know, um, about five feet is the limit. That's big. I was throwing 35 uh, feet of line with a big streamer and a chunk of squid. And it wasn't pretty, but it was effective. And it was fun. That's the bottom line. That is the bottom Yeah. That was an adrenaline That's the rush. biggest thing, as long as it's fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things, like, would would you do that every day? I don't know, maybe. It's not, you know, it, it, Tenkar is never going to replace a reel, but uh, you can do some really crazy things on it, and, right. and it's it's different. It's Wait exciting. Wait till Conway Bowman hears that. It's fun. Uh, 
and then you can still do small fish and beautiful presentation. So I think Tenkara is going to grow, and I think we're going to see some really neat things happening with people doing some crazy stuff. Okay, so I lost my train of thought there. The shark thing. Shark. Stumped you. Fun, not every day. We went okay. out on uh, South Boulder Creek is where they took us, and I had never done it before, and I think that uh, I caught four or five. I was surprised. And, you know, a lot of times when we fly fish anyway, we're using a certain length of line most all day long. Right. And it was like it was uh, easy for me to adapt to that because it was just like a pick up and lay down, pick up and lay down. Right. You know, and so um, it was uh, it was fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where if you're, if you're, you don't have to stretch out your game to get the fish, you know, you don't have to, I mean, you, every day you go out there, you don't have to cast 50, 70 feet. Like you Rarely. said, you, you can I mean, fish. most water in Colorado is not that big. Right. Exactly. You know, so it's nice to be able to do it, and, um, and there, and, you know, when you need to get into... That right. kind of line, go for it. But right. most days, people are casting 25 feet away from them. Okay. And that's, that's what's your what's your average? Of. I guess what's your average tenkara uh, size? Size and then how, do, how does the weight work on those? So it, it, it there's there isn't a not weight. really a weight thing. No, it's, it's a flex okay. and a length. Okay. And they can be they can be mixed up anyway. So a, a 12 foot uh, tenkar rod is 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 pretty standard. A 12 foot 64 flex is uh, is kind of like your all purpose tenkar rod. So it's sort of like your nine foot five weight in the Western okay. world. All purpose rod. Everybody's got to have a 12 foot 64 flex tenkar rod. Kind okay. Of thing. Um, and and the, the the flex has to do with uh, the percentage of the rod that's stiff okay. versus bends. Right. So a six four means that sixty percent of your rod is stiff and forty flexes. Okay. A five five is fifty percent stiff, fifty percent flexes. So a five five uh, flex is going to be a slower cast. Okay. Uh, a slower action rod than a 6.4 or a 7.3. And okay. it goes up to 8.2. So 80% of your rod is stiff with 20% basically the tips, tip section flexing. Okay, okay. And then you go by length. So. Gotcha. <laughs> so how, how big was the rod you were catching sharks on? It was 12 foot 8-2 flex. Okay. And it was it's like a baseball bat. So okay. it's got a 16 inch handle, meant for two handed, big rolling cast, giant okay. so D loops. Yeah, so you're a, kind of like a spay cast, basically. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, about girth, isn't it? Rather than length. <laughs> Oh, Jay, watch your mouth now. <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta say for Tinkara though, I've taken a lot of clients out this year with it, and uh, it's been a game changer for them, especially beginner fly fishers. You know, people have a hard time with the reel and not figuring out how to strip and all that. It's, right. It's huge. I mean, I had a lady that you know she's, she has a hard time getting around. To be honest with you, I gave her Tinkara rod and. It's night and day. She's hooking up, catching fish, and feeling very confident. And now she can transition even the, the fly rod with the reel. But to be honest, you don't need that. You can really catch fish all day long with Tinkara. I, I think the, the really cool thing about Tinkara is that, you know, you, you take just all, all the line management and stuff out of it. And even, even just the setup of the rod is so easy. You need one knot. Right. You need to know a clinch knot. If you can do a clinch knot, you can set your rod up. So that even uh, makes it much easier, much more approachable. Okay. But because it's so direct, right. such a direct approach, you really focus on where to cast and presentation, right? Because without those two things, you can't catch fish. You right. need to know where fish are. 
you don't know where fish are in the water, you could cast all day 80 feet, you're not going to catch them. Right. Right? And then you need to be able to have a presentation that's going to entice them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because that's, like we said earlier, it's presentation slash, uh, God damn it, what do we lump that in with? That was my 80%. This is uh, fly selection, you mean, entomology? Uh, I'd say, I mean, you know, like we talked about with the bug guy, the, the flies are minor compared to the others. Presentation's you know? everything. Well, yeah, okay. presentation. Because even if you have the match, if you don't know what to do Well, when you look it, at presentation, it really sums up your drift, your depth, your your cast. All that's considered presentation. Yeah. The only thing is flying. Right. You know, so... That's why presentation is so important. You know, yeah. your cast, how you're presenting, how you're putting it into the fish's zone, you know, yeah. where they are. And yeah. if you look at these Tinkara rods, you know, imagine if you've got, you know, normal or, or typical uh, fly rod is what, nine foot standard, you know, that's like a five way, nine foot yeah. five way is kind yeah. of standard in Colorado. These Tinkara rods are what, 12 feet, 11 and a half feet. Imagine how good your high sticking is going to be with these Tinkara rods. It's night and day, it's huge. Yeah. Huge advantage. And the cool thing about it is uh, I can get people to back off fish and catch those fish. Whereas, you know, if you get closer to them with a, with a high-sticking method on a 9-foot rod, or it's a car with a 12-foot rod, I actually have to back people up, and the fish feel less pressured, and they feed more readily when they don't see the person fishing through them. So it's a huge advantage fishing with Takara, I think. The other thing, too, I, I think hook sets are probably easier because oh. you're essentially tight lining the whole time. I mean, you're casting a fly first presentation, you're keeping all your line off the water, so you almost have a, a pyramid effect with your, your rod tip up and then your line down. So when a fish takes that fly, they're almost setting themselves. Yeah. Because you don't have all this slack oh, yeah. in your line in the water. You know, so I think the hook sets are easier as well. Yeah, I, I can see taking the line management equation, I mean, just completely out of the equation. I can see how that would just, I mean, just take that learning curve. And oh, it opens get the door to so many people. And I know from a guide perspective, you know, I, I hear all the time from guides, ah, oh, you know, I was out, I was, you know, with this person or that person, and they were getting frustrated, and, you know, the, the, the trip started going sour because they, you know, they kept getting tangled or they couldn't handle it, and I pulled out the Tinkara rod, put it in their hands, and the trip was turned around, you know, went from a, you know, potentially, you know, bad, frustrating day to to a, a really successful day, Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, if it can save a trip. I mean, why not? You know, another cool point about Takara that I just found out this cold winter was, uh, yeah, when it gets below freezing and your reel's freezing up, Takara is an awesome thing to try out, you know, because you don't have the free, you don't have to, the line, you don't, you don't have to be touching the line, you don't have the reel freezing up either, so it makes winter fishing a great thing. It's even right? better when you take that hand that you're not using you're not it, the and you snug it, it in, in yeah. and you snug it into our cross current chest pack that has a nice warm fleece, <laughs> hand warmer. You can put like the little hand warmers, and it's oh, heated yeah. and it's fleece, and you can warm that hand up. And then what's really cool is you can switch hands, so you can cast left-handed and right-handed. Really, I mean, most people can cast with both hands because it's a it's a small cast yeah, and I mean, so you get different angles on your water depending on if you cast left or right i mean i i switch my rod all the time you're not dealing with water on, in your hand by stripping line you don't have that, that issue yeah. you know, in the winter that can be that can be something not fun i'd rather be guiding yeah. than fishing on a yeah, day that's below freezing <laughs> Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're, poor banner fell down. If you're fishing a short line, you know it's not bad. But if you're, I mean, if you're wintertime fishing and you're throwing streamers and you're active, oh, and you're actively stripping that line, and your hands are frozen. My ears are dead. So. Yeah. And you can fish a streamer with a Takara. You know, yeah. Streamer, dry dropper. You can nymph. You can throw See? a split just, shot at the bottom. Opening up, opening up avenues right now. Throw some tags can on of worms. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? What can about um, like spay casters, right? I mean, you can spay cast with it. 
Why not? With a, is it just too hard of a strike? I'm talking steelhead. Have anybody? Have, have you ever, well, we've done steelhead because it'd be a long. It's no different than the shark or the carp. When you've got a when you've got a really long line, there's no, there's no way around it. You're hand lining at some point. So well, when so I you're went, eventually gonna be on eventually, the yeah. Okay. And you know that's your your buddy that's a, fishing. That's just an exciting thing too. Just something different. Just feeling them on your own hand. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's that's like a whole different. I mean, it is a whole different sport. He just was talking about feeling things on his own hand. I already tried to put in some sexual It's not working in this show. Jay's doing it again. Stop it again. No, I mean, you know, when, the I, beans, when I went Give out, I had, you know, I had leather gloves. And I, you know, I, I didn't it's want my hands ripped apart. You know, but it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, but it was, it was it, as exciting for the guy to net and, yeah. and help pull in than it was for me managing. Yeah. So you really... You end up doing a lot of steering, you know. You're you're steering the fish. If you're if you're you know going for trout in fast moving water, um, and you think you're going to get into something big, that's the other thing. I say you become really um, much more strategic. So before you ever place that cast, you, you you throw that cast. You're saying, okay, if I get into something, right. I'm going to lose if the fish runs downstream. Yeah. So what's the plan? What am I doing? Where am I trying to steer that fish? Where's the soft water that I'm bringing that fish to? And that's, you know, so before you ever throw that cast, you're looking at water very differently, I think. Yeah. You know, especially if there's a potential of getting into bigger fish. Right. And I think that's, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with either you know, conventional fly fishing or tankara is they don't go into that fish thinking, you know, all right, if I hook up, where am I going to go? Because sometimes you get in those spots and you, you know, you hook up, you lose him downstream and you're done, you know, or you, you know, you got to go upstream or, but downstream, I mean, downstream is obviously the enemy 99% of the time. So So you just, you approach, you, you know, I just think you, you start to view things a little differently. You know your limits, but but it doesn't mean that stops you from doing it. It just means you you work around them and you you come up with other strategies. I think the you know? coolest thing about Tinkara is you get to add in the karate kick right at the end after you land it. That's right, right, Gino? That's exactly Gino right. Gino knows all about that. We had a little karate head job, and it just makes it a whole other spectrum there. <laughs> So you you can yell it right out to everybody else, you know. And so you don't, like, go give it a karate chop right behind the gill plate to make sure? <laughs> well, Ben does. You yeah, know, that's, <laughs> our, that's our signature thing, man. Ben likes to not come out. And not then he revives them afterwards that. and is like, sorry. But, yeah. No, that is fun, you know, yelling out to car with a karate kick, you know. That's kind of our little signature that we ended up doing this year. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so let's, let's say this one. What are what are the biggest misconceptions or myths that you know you get from the conventional fly fishing guys? Um, I, I say well, conventional as in you yeah, know, yeah. I would I would say um, probably. I mean, the first is that oh, uh, it's a it's a fad. It's going to go away. It's not going to last. I mean, because a lot of people just never thought. It would, it would come this far. Right. Um, second is that it's only for small fish. Oh, it's just for, you know, little teeny, you know, six-inch, eight-inch brookies, you know. Right. And that's boring. Um, and that it's it's easier because I think there's simple doesn't necessarily equate to easy. So it is more simple, but I don't think it's easy. I think uh, I was on the casting ponds yesterday with Caleb, and uh, he he took a rod, and you know we were messing around. I cast a, a western rod, and he was casting a tankar rod, and he he was like, "Oh wow, this is more technical than I thought," you know, as he was trying to figure out how to lay out the line. So I don't think I, I think people think. Just because it's simple, it's going to be really easy. And, and I don't think 
that's exactly it. So I think those are, those are kind of the misconceptions. I don't know. What else? That's about it. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, just like you said, the whole the whole setup and line management and, and you know, there's one knot. It's, you know, there's, there's obviously advantages for ease of getting on the water, you know, if you're, if you're that guy, you know, that has to get on the water before everybody else, you know, unlike other guys, you know, I'll, I'm, a, I'm the worst at it, is I'll, I'll get out there and my leader's short, so I'm tying blood knots and blood knots and blood knots, then I get to my flies, and I'm, before I even get down there, you know, and then you get down there, then you're like, all right, you got to get weight, and you got to figure out your indicator, you know, just one of the... Well, my problem is I was like squirrel, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I was, it, 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 I wasn't fishing as much because it took that time, and it, it, it's almost like it didn't keep my attention. Um, I think tenkara is an act, very active fly fishing, you know, because you're you're so precise, you're so targeting, you know, you're moving, you know, e- even when you're casting and and landing a fish. You know, a, a lot of anglers, Western anglers, I see them standing in the same spot for like really long times because they can adjust where they cast to with the length, and so they're kind of standing there. They're not really moving. With Tenkara, I think you're moving your feet. You're, you know, you're moving here, you're moving there, you're moving up, you're, you're hopping pockets. Um, and when you land a fish, you, you've got to be willing to. To move. It doesn't work. Yeah, just moving. stand in there. Because you've got so. no drag, no nothing. Yeah. So. Well, your flex acts sort of yeah. like your turn. No, you know, the coolest thing about these Tinkara rods that I know is, and I'm, I'm pretty new to Tinkara. I mean, do you know what, a year we've been doing it? Uh, the coolest thing for me is the feel of the fish. It's super sensitive. And uh, the fight of the fish is a whole other story. So that's what I love about it. Yeah. You know? Get to know, and, and a big fish too. If you catch a big fish at Tenkara, it's a blast. Oh, and you learn, it actually teaches how to land fish better, I think. It makes you turn the fish. Uh, otherwise, you run out of line. You know, if you don't turn a fish, it's going to break you off. You know? yeah. So it really teaches you quick, quick turns, quick turns. The fish gets mesmerized and the fight's over really quick, actually. And no more, no less than you know any other style of fishing. But yeah, yeah you're right. I was really quite amazed at how much easier it was to land bigger fish on Tenkara than previous, the previous perception that I had of it. Yeah, I mean, right, people the, yeah. people are always asking, well, how do you land fish? And, you know, how do you get into big fish? And they, they assume it's going to be really difficult. And most of the time, it's it's quicker than on it a reel. Because yep. you're not, they're not running, you know. They're not, they're, there's no place to run. Right. And so, I, I also think you, a lot of the times you're, you're releasing them in better condition. They, they, they haven't sprint for, you know, yeah, for their I mean, life, and then you reel them in, and they sprint again, and you really, you know, you're not you're not letting them run and exhausting them. They're hitting it. They're not going anywhere. You're steering them, managing them, letting them go. You know, I noticed this, though, it's a car, and I think it's a, a matter of leverage, the length of the rod. It seems to me the fish almost gets their head up and comes gets her belly up, which kind of mesmerizes them a little bit. I, I swear to God, it, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, right? It's the it's almost like sometimes the fight's done before it should be. And I'm not sure if that's a leverage thing or what it is, but I can turn a fish and the head will come up. Once you get that head up, it's the over. fish is almost yeah. like kind of lost its sense on where it is, almost like a vertigo thing, right? right? As if you're... Same thing as if you uh, took a fish and turned it upside down, the fish doesn't fight, right? doesn't know where it's at. So I think the Tinkara rods actually does that to fish, too. Um, and I think it's because of the length that it has on it. Yeah. You know, so I've seen that where I thought I'd have a big fight, and all of a sudden it's done really quick, and it was nothing I did special. You know? Yeah. Usual. Yeah, and, and length, of, length of fight is hugely important on what that reviving them, yeah, exactly. If you want to revive yeah. them quickly, you know, if you, yeah. the fight's done and they're not even knowing to fight anymore, yeah. they're gonna come back really quick. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you can, if you can turn that head and get them into the slack water fast and get them out equally fast, you know, I mean, make sure they're good. But if you can get them out quick, I mean, it's, it's all better for everybody. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely. Well, and, and that's where, you know, sometimes just uh, some of the rods, you know, to have a little backbone in it so that you can really turn that fish quickly and put them in and um, get them off the, you know, get them off the fly as soon as possible. Yeah. They're in better shape. So. Yeah, no, that's it, man. You got to get get the fight over as fast as you can. Yeah. It's interesting. Come in, it's interesting. I'll say that. I've, I've never talk. fished in Cara, and I've, you know. you got to come out and play. What do you want to have to? Yeah. Well, Zen is local, and I love meeting people on the water, and, you know. I do love my able reel, though, so. Don't be hard. Don't, don't, don't get rid of it. Don't get rid of it. But but then it's just another toy. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's another toy. You know what and it is? It's an additional arrow in your quiver. Yeah. Is what it there is. you go. It is. It's it's, just, it's like not Karen, just like Karen said. You know, when you have you might be having a slow day and pull out that ten car rod. You know, and give it a shot. It might be the difference between a successful day and a mediocre day. Yeah. Hey Steve, I'm gonna take off. I'm so I'll sign sir. off. I gotta pick up my lady at the airport. <laughs> I'm flying out, but Ron Picor is probably going to come over and talk <laughs> right. in my place. So it's nice talking to everybody. Yeah, man. Have Thank a great you. night. Okay. Yeah, I'd see you. Yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be a change. <laughs> I know that much. I know it would be a change. Yeah. But it is a lot of fun, brother. Well, you got to open yourself to the experience. Yeah, and, and just exactly, And, yeah. you know, I think, like, you know, I've taken some people out, and they've just... Their, like their mind is meta sure is made up before they ever get on the water like I just like they just don't want to do it it's almost like it'll ruin something for them right. if they like it so and I'm like that just doesn't make sense to me I'm, I'm more I, I don't know I'm I just want to be a kid and have fun and fish right yeah so, no, I, just, I just want to go out and catch as right? many fish as I can. So I, it's like, cool, this is something different. Let's have fun. Let's see what we can, let's see what we can do. Yeah. And no, that's it. I mean, if it, if it puts fish in the net. You know, an easy way to transition someone into Tenkara on a typical trip, if you're having a successful day, we're putting fish in the net and say, hey, you want to try something different, just as fun, and pull out the Tenkara rod, let them play with it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Ron, you're back. I'm back. Sold a couple hunts. Awesome. Hey. There you go. I probably have to get back to my booth. Oh. Well, Karen's got to run. She's got to get into her booth. I think so. But thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking to Tenkara for a few minutes anyway. Anytime. It's, it's, I love it. We're Tenkara. all about trout. So. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you get them as long no. as you get them. We, we, we're, we're, we're all good friends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, it, that's kind of interesting, though, because a couple years ago, it, it didn't feel like that. So it's kind of nice that it's like, yeah, I'm kind of like hang with the flatfish guys. Yeah. And, well, and they're okay with Tenkar now. Yeah. And There's a little bit of a cool factor, even. Fly fishing in general, especially social media, is... It's, it's, there's a lot of snobbery, you know, there's a lot of, if you're oh, not yeah. doing it this way, you're not doing it. Right. You know, you know, and, it, and it's just now that, you know, like the Euro nymphing is huge. I know, I've got the perfect rod for that too. You know, just and it's, saying. but you know what, <laughs> people <laughs> been, yeah, but when I was a kid, we didn't have strike indicators. Right. And so, you know, this check nymphing, Euro nymphing, we've actually been doing that for a long time. They just kind of put names to it now, I guess. Yes. Well, Tenkar has been around forever. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and fixed line fly fishing has been around forever. It's in every culture. It's all the time. you got cane poles. You've got roach poles in England, which is a fixed line. I mean, but they weren't telescoping. They weren't carbon fiber. Right. Cool like that. So hopefully we're... You know, we're improving things as, as things come back and they're, you know, as yeah. technologies change and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Technology's so. made leaps and bounds. It's made everything everything in the fly fishing world either easier or better, or both. All right. It's been fun. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. We See appreciate ya. it. Thanks so See much, ya. Thank Thanks, you. Karen. Who needs one? Ron, you're booking, booking hunts, huh? Oh, yeah. So when do you come back? Uh, when do you come back? You know what I do is I try to be here... Um, you know, the end of May, what is that, uh, Memorial? 
Yeah, Memorial Day's the end of May, that weekend. So I try to knock my hunts off the week before that so that I'm available to help out with all of our trips usually that we start booking that time of year. And it kind of works out really good because Jay starts to really start getting busy around that time. So all of a sudden, boom, I'm back in town, got another full-timer that's available. Right. And so it, it actually alleviates a lot of pressure on him. So yeah, I'm not... Well, also that I'm not bugging him when it's slow for trips. It, it keeps Gino and Jeremy busy really well in right. that March, April. And then when I'm ready, they need me. And it works out really good for everybody. So you you come in uh, kind of right when runoff is either, depending on the year, I guess. Yeah, it's going. Picking up or in the middle or... I do a lot of the dream stream of that time okay. of year. So you're, you've got good flows then. I like good water at the Dream Stream. A lot of people are scared of the high water at the Dream. Not me. I love it. High water's nice, man. You can you can get away with a if you're if you're green, if you're new to the sport. High water is where you can make your mistakes. And it's intimidating too for yeah. newbies. But that's you know, like I said, that's where you're you can throw three X to a worm and three X to a resin tail. Yeah. And, you know, at the Dream Stream, a lot of big fish come in from the bay when the water's, you know, pumping pretty good. What, uh, 150, 200 CFS? That's awesome. Means they're going to be good fish all over that stream. Yeah, I like like it, man. And when you hook up with those fish in that high water, they're... It's fun. I like the Dream about 250. Oh, God, yeah. um, Especially on annelids. You know, that's a, you know, and Ron will be the first one to tell you, um, analids on the Dream Stream are a go-to pattern. I've never met a man more worm-friendly than Ron before. Yeah, I, I like the, I use a chocolate worm on the Dream Stream because there's a chocolate leech in the water there. And the worms on the Dream are chocolate colored too, so that, that chocolate worm is a double whammy for me. There's a lot of weird colored worm preferences here in Colorado. On the dream, I think, you know, late spring, all through the summer, early fall, that double chocolate worm. Oh, my you gosh. Know, with a PMD merger on the bottom is a... Money. Money. <laughs> I think of these guys smile. They're just laughing at the fish pictures. They're going to roll it to your mind right now. I can't now. even oh, tell yeah. you how many fish Money. they put the net on that rig. Oh, my and God. If I'm not throwing that PMD merger, that bar merger... I'm throwing a, a bar graphic caddis, and I'm telling you, man, yeah. that is like money. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, you won't see many fly fishing anglers use two worms. You know, they'll use one worm and drop something off of it. But if you can use three flies legally, why wouldn't you? You know, you'll hear the guys, heresy, heresy, uh, you're using double worms, what's blah, blah, blah. It goes back to my drag a shoe through the, through the river kind of analogy. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get my anglers on, on, on fish, but like like Ron says, that river is full of leeches and and dark annelids. Why wouldn't you want to use that? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's like a Twinkie. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh, <laughs> it is. It's just it's one of those things, man. <laughs> it's if you're, Twinkie. Of it is. It's it like is. a Twinkie. Fish. Fish. Love I mean, Ron comes up to me on the river. We'll be guiding on. You know, we'll be you know we'll be guiding our anglers apart. Ronald, come up, dude, dude, I mean, just big smiles, dude, we're killing it on these annelids, yeah, man, they are, you know, everybody's looking at us, what the heck are these guys catching them on? Exactly. You know, and then even when the, um, the trichos start, start popping, you know, a lot of people will try to do the dry fly on the trico there, but fish it wet, put it under the water. You know, those are a couple of really good, uh. You know they can be dry patterns, but you can submerge them. They got a lot of flash to it, like the like the poly wing, that works really really well during that trico hatch. Well, it's not really a hatch; it's a spinnerfly. Yeah. You know, and I'll fish that dream real hard till they drop it hard. When they drop that flow hard, a lot of big fish run back to that reservoir, mm-hmm. and then we're then we go back to Deckers. You know, that's my that's my cue card to get out of there for a while and go back to Deckers. Right. We do that, we flip-flop back and forth, we, just, you know, depending on the flow. Yeah. Yeah, Deckers. Uh, it's my home water. It's good water, man. Been fishing that for over 30 years. Nice. Yeah, there's, uh, that's good. Chocolate worm. Chocolate. 
It's the dark. It's the dark brown, and then the regular brown. I like the. I put one or. I put them both on. I'll put a dark chocolate, then a brown, and then either the, the graphic caddis, a PMD emerger, or a spinner. It's just amazing to me how sometimes I'll have a, a person working a run, and they'll throw that chocolate worm, and the biggest trout in there just grabs it, it right off the bat. I mean, like I said, it's like a Twinkie to these trout. Yeah, that's our code word. What'd you catch Twinkie. them on today? Twinkie. 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 Chocolate Twinkie. Double Pat's rig. Dude, this thing went, like, so far, way gone off this sheet right here. It's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Like, it went into Tankara Land, Entomology kind of, Heaven, yeah. uh, and Hell. This has been a good one. Yeah, my... Uh, my agenda is typically just a suggested <laughs> course of events. So awesome, because these guys got intel on some of these questions. You know, the other day I was at Decker's, and normally at Decker's I'm using, you know, I'll run a, a rubber leg stone. I call it my, my cheeseburger, my french fry, and my little piece of candy. So my cheeseburger <laughs> is my big stone. Right. Then my, my french fry is my worm. And then my little piece of candy is whatever small, <laughs> like... Like my little midge emerger, little bars emerger, whatever. Yeah. And um, I'll roll that all year long, but <laughs> he will roll it till we stop eating it. Right, but so generally he's at playing icebox generally at, at Decker's, I'm rolling a a tan worm, and I add a little color to it, a little pink and whatever. But when I was out there a week ago in the winter, the pink worm, and I. I've never really seen a bright pink worm in a, in a stream sample, but nope. yet we did very well on a bright pink worm, and I don't really run those too often. Now, I'll roll that at, at Boxwood and Longmeadow, that pink worm, but not really so much at Deckard's because I do really well on the, the tan and the, and the, 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 the chocolate. Yep. Yeah, chocolate. You know, the, the Twinkie. The Twinkie. Yeah. It's last last time I fished Deckers, it was a pink squirmy worm and a juju betis behind that. Yeah, where's your third fly? Smoked them. Uh, he's a purist. He doesn't throw three flies. You're a cheater, Ron. I yeah, guess he's a purist. I'm, I'm like he doesn't like tangled I'm, up. I'm trained to throw two flies yeah. because I fished at the New San Juan oh, so much. Dude, if you go to the two. buffet line, it's not really much of a buffet if there's only one or two items on it. <laughs> So, so why wouldn't you throw, with, oh, yeah. you know? But I like that cheeseburger, french fry, and a little piece of candy analogy. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of what I teach to my people. So one day I was with a, a guy named Billy Berger, who was an Orvis Guide of the Year on the Blue River. And he really opened my eyes one day because everybody was throwing little stuff on the blue. And he's throwing a big, soft, hackle, size 12, long shank, uh, pheasant tail. Okay. And right next, I'm standing right next to him. He landed three big hen rainbows in a 20-inch class all on that big soft tackle. And ever since that day, I've never been afraid to throw a big bug. Never been afraid to throw a big bug. Yeah. And some days you're gonna, you might get one, two on it. And other days, they're hitting the big bug all day. So that was a big lesson for me that day. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, you know, like, like you're talking cheeseburger, fry, candy, it's... It's uh, cover all the food groups. Yeah, and the way the way I look at midge midge fishing, I say is you've got you've got two cars in the race. Your lead car is your biggest, flashiest car, and your second car, which is your trailer fly, is typically the car that the cop's going to catch. You know, yeah. good one. Get I like their it. attention. Mop up after that with the small stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the way you and I were up. Up on Deckers that yep. day. Oh my God, you know. Yes, we were laughing at each other. Day. And it was it was both those, but I would say the trailer yep. was doing yep. it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like like we said a few times before, you don't have to go to Deckers just to throw 24s. You don't have to throw 22s. You know, Ron doesn't do it. I I don't do it. I, it's like a 12 and a 12 and an 18. Exactly. You know, exactly. You know the same thing with Tippet. You know, a lot of people think at Deckers they got to go all the way down to 6X and stuff. I think this year, the entire year, my rigs were 3X, 3X, and 4X. I don't think I hardly even ran 5X this year. I found the key to my success with my clients was to getting, getting them to fish well. If I could get them to fish well, the trout has no clue if it's 3X or 4X. 
what they what they pick up on is bad cast, bad drifts, drag, and so on. So my key to success was to get my clients to fish very well. I used so much three and four X this year, and I hardly ever used five X. Now when I did, it was at the Dream Stream when the Tricos we were submerging the Tricos, and of course with the little bitty twenty twos and twenty fours. I would put 5X on. Yeah. But I hardly ever use 5X anymore. Yeah, I broke out the 5X just, just recently when the flows dropped up there. It's crystal clear. That it was yeah. That was the first time this season yeah. I broke that out. Well, I had a trip there the other day. We didn't use 5X. It was just you all did, yeah. 3X and 4X. And the you, were down, you were down a little bit from town. The trout, the trout still ate the bugs. You know, yeah. and so sometimes... Our uh, ineffective um, fishing technique might force us in our mind to think that we need to use 5 and 6X when in reality they just need to learn how to fish better, the angler, you know? And that's that's what I find. Yeah, drag, I mean, drag, drag is the absolute killer, you know? Well, also being a proficient caster, you know, being able to... Get a good man... Well, yes, and yeah. I mean, it's you fine. know to present that fly where you think that trout is correctly, you know, yeah. not on his head, but in front of him a couple feet or or so, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, which which goes straight into knowing you know knowing your weight for the water you're fishing because you want to get it down, but you don't want to be throwing, oh that's huge. You don't want to be throwing sinkers on there. Yeah, if you want to be a good away. nymph fisherman, you want to learn how to adjust. We wrote a, a blog on that. It was called timely adjustments and you can check that out on our blog site at 5280 or 80 angler and basically as a nymph fisherman my success really excelled when i learned how to adjust efficiently and effectively and that's either moving that indicator or adding the weight that was a huge thing for me as i got better at nymph fishing weight adjustments yeah, weight, weight and depth, man. Weight and depth. As long as you're in the right slot, you're gonna you're gonna hammer. Yeah, I got a little saying for that. If nothing's happening, do something. Yep. Because the child aren't doing nothing wrong. What nope. are you doing wrong? Yeah. I mean, you're either a foot above them or you're exactly. And right now, this time of year in the winter, you got to hit them on the nose. Spoon feed them, as Marcelo you was saying. Spoon feed them. Punch them, as Punch Gino them. was saying. You gotta hit them right on the nose. Is that you saying? Because they're not gonna move that hard, that far for their food. You gotta hit them on the nose, and so, you know, if you're working a riffle and nothing's happening, just like you said, move, do something, add a split shot, move that indicator. Those are the easy things to do rather than change your bugs. You know, and as a guide, I'll be fishing with Gino and Jeremy, and when we meet up at lunch, we'll talk about the success we've had, and I'm amazed how we're all using different bugs. And so for me, the key to our success is how well we teach and how we have our anglers fish. And it goes to show that the fish are opportunists. They'll eat if we present it correctly to them. And so it surprises me how often we're using different flies and yet we're all having success. It almost becomes frustrating. Like sometimes when we're having that conversation at lunch together on a big group day, and you're like, God dang it, what's the money bug? And, and and it's variations on a similar shade of gray. Yeah. But, you know, it is really an interesting thing. And and that's one of that things where it's like when you really when you really start dialing in time on the water, you start realizing a fish that's eating is a fish that's eating. Exactly. If you get it to a feeding fish, it will eat that. I mean the other day at water. Boxwood we had three guides there and I had a rod set up for deckers and my bottom fly on that rod was a bead head. Uh, pale morning dun, which we all know there's no <laughs> pale morning duns at Boxwood, but this time of year. the the key was it was something a little different, and the guy was fishing well, and we had a great afternoon, and I would have never I know my fellow anglers weren't using that fly, but the simple fact was the guy Bobby. fished well, and the trout like Ben said the trout want to eat, that's all they do they do two things one is eating and we know what the other one is. Yeah, that's it, man. They, uh, <laughs> wait, wait. There was a cool silent pause after we know what the other one is. Everybody, and then everybody's like, wait, 
What's the other one? Everything. Swimming? Is it swimming? Ron, no. is it swimming? Is that the other thing you're talking no. about? Trout swim. It starts they with the nest, swim. though. They eat and they swim, and, right? Yeah. He's, he's talking about swimming with the ladies, I think. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, exactly. that's it. That's, that's, that's why they're here. They're here to eat and reproduce. Exactly. Which, uh, reproduce kind of brings it straight into spring, which we're a few months out, but... The rainbows will spawn here they shortly, will. people. So they will. It will be starting soon. Start to take your ethical classes now. Stay away from the reds, Jesus. Stay away from the reds. You know, I don't have a problem fishing for males that are active in the riffles. As soon as the females show up, I like to back out of there. You know, and so when we start seeing the females show up, yeah, want to get off those reds and it's you know fishing. Fishing in the spring, fishing in the fall, fishing near reds, behind reds is, it, a lot of people frown on it, but at the same time, you've got that opportunistic fish behind those reds. Yeah, and I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, you know at, at when you when we have trips at the Dream Stream, sometimes that's where we have to fish, is, right. you know, because it's, it can be so crowded out there and stuff, and... I don't have a problem in the fall. You got the rainbows and the cutthroats coming in, following the browns, you know, and picking up those fish. That's all good, in my opinion. Yeah. But you know, that water, the Dream Stream, in in late October, it's it's getting too crazy out there. What I I what I have a problem with is the people fishing for those trout at night, and you know they're jerking those streamers through those those reds at night. And already those trout have gone nocturnal on their breeding. Right. And if we don't let them at least have the nighttime to do their breeding, we're not going to have many brown trout in there anymore. Yeah. It, it, it's you know, frustrating. Yeah. And the, the, the bad thing about, like you're talking about, fishing at night is it, it kind of goes into the mentality of, well, if you're not going to eat it, you're going to wear it. You yeah. Know, which, is, which is bad. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, I mean, there's a ton of good, good fish. You know, yeah. All it takes is one jackass to put a streamer through an eye, and, you know, that fish yeah. is automatically going to go from a top of the line, you know, top of the run fish to, yeah. the, you know, he's sitting back. Yeah. And just uh, falling off his game. I mean, he's falling off his game and dying eventually. But I didn't even go there last fall. I know, I know a lot of people that did, man, and it's. You know, I, I've, I've heard it's just, it's worse and worse every year, which, you know, the influx of new fishermen and the whole, you know, the social media aspect of it is obviously, you know, that's fueling the fire. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's all about what you can put on the, put on the internet and get likes for it. And, I know, guess, yeah. You know, unfortunately, even in the hunting business, you have the same thing. Everybody wants bigger and better. Yeah. You it's, know. I think that's the uh, the American way right now. I guess. Better, so. You know, for me, though, I, you know, to go down to Deckers and catch a 22-inch brown trout in August, now there's something. Yeah. You know, that's something. To catch a 22-inch brown trout in late October at the Dream Stream, you know, that trout is busy. Let's let them do its Let's let them do its job. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. I know Gino and I have talked about this. We believe, a lot of us... They should shut that down. I do believe that. There's, they should shut it down. Yeah. In my opinion. A, and I, you know, hard to work. They, it's become a shit show out there. Where you spawn. Yeah. You know. It has. Well, and, and, you know, you get the same argument from people fishing the blue, too. You know, those fish are just so beat to piss. They're beat up. And now that they've, now that they've stopped stocking the broodstock in there... You know, people are pissed off. Oh, well, we're only getting 18-inch fish. We're getting 15-inch fish. Well, you go yeah. there and you beat the piss out of it because you're hoping to get a brood stock that's not there anymore and they're not putting in. You know, so yeah. that's that's another section that, I don't know. You know, we I, have to CBW take it up. We have to, like manage. Gino said, we have to take it on ourselves to be the conservationist, to, to help the species survive better what we love to do and... You know, it ha- unfortunately, there's been authors and people have wrote about areas like that. And so the word gets out and then there's a mad rush to it. And, you know, it just kind of blows the whole thing for everybody. And so, right. 
you know, I guess it all comes down to education and that we all kind of uh, learn what what we need and what we shouldn't do. And I don't know. Yeah, it's... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the bug guy just stopped by and hit the Yeti. Got another beer. <laughs> uh, so my, I've never had a beer before, so this is kind of a new thing for me. So um, I can't promise what would happen, but I think I'm going to end up naked in the casting pond. What happens <laughs> at the ISC stays in the casting pond. Exactly. There's like squirmy worms. There's Robert Young hands. It's just getting gross. It's getting crazy, yeah. I tell you, there's a problem at Decker's that we really need to um, um, do something about too, and it's the tubers. You know, we all we all want to enjoy the water; they want to enjoy the water, but there's no regulation on them. And it it really, at some point, it's going to come to where somebody's going to get hurt out there, and it needs to be addressed. And uh, I don't know how they can regulate that, but. There needs to be something done. Yeah. Well, in, in have you been on Decker's water uh, in the middle of July? I when the tubers are there. I try to stay away when the tube has. So, Ron, you don't think that can coexist? Downstream. Well, just, they should have their own water. Well, nobody's educating the tubers on how to avoid the anglers. Right. I, they'll run right into me. Oh, I know. They ran. They ran. Yeah, they'll run right into yeah. you. Yeah, and it's it's not only a Decker's problem. It's, no, it's not. You know, Boulder. It's like you go up to the Yampa, it's the same thing. Boulder. Uh, there's, you know, the guy, what is it, Provo in Utah. That's the green? The well, green. Know, even like on Clear Creek, for example, you know, you have all the wrapped outfitters and everything coming through. The, the guides are moving out of the way for the anchor. Right, the best they can. The best they can. It's a small river, but yeah. the tubers don't, they're not managed by guides, obviously, so it's... Different story. I think they should designate certain areas of the rivers for tubers. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But when they're you dropping know, in at, like the cable hole in Deckers, that's not cool. You get like a big flotilla. That's that's a that's a tough. It's tough, tough to handle that. Yeah, that's that's shitty, man. We were I was fishing the I was fishing the Yampa right there in the middle of Steamboat, in big huge tube river, and. I hooked up, caught a nice brown, put it back, and you know, there's there's more fish in that hole. It was super deep. Making drifts, making drifts. This guy comes through in a kayak, dumps literally five feet from me, right in the middle of that hole, and I'm like, dude, thanks. He's like, oh, sorry, man, I didn't mean to. I'm exactly. Like, Get the fuck out of here. You know, there's no reason they couldn't designate that area, say, below Nighthawk Hill, down to the confluence for the tubers. Yeah. Well, you, the upper reaches of the river. You know, the whole reality of all this, the Division of Wildlife was created for a need. There was a need for it. Seventy years ago, there was a need to regulate the outdoorsmen. Well, today there's a need to regulate the other outdoors people, the mountain hikers, the mountain bikers, the tubers, the rafters. There's a need to regulate them. And so they should be regulated, in my opinion. I agree. They should, if they're going to be hiking 14,000-foot mountains, then they need to take a survival training course. Just yeah. as if I'm going to hunt that same mountain, I'm required to. Well, why aren't they required to? Right. And the same thing on the rivers with the tubers. There needs to be a regulated thing there. They can put a sticker on their tube, whatever, that they paid a small fee or whatever. That helps us have money to pay for the agent to regulate them and also to clean up after them. It's yep. a big problem. And yeah. it's just going to get worse. And so there, when a need is out there, that's when we have to create an agency for that need. And, and it can be self-created by charging a small fee, and that will pay for the agency to manage that recreational activity. It can be self-sustaining. Yeah. So there doesn't have to be new money for it. Yeah. And even even when you get that agency, you still, I mean, you still got to watch what they're doing. And Boxwood this year is a perfect example of an agency doing something right because they actually have water going through there that's, you know, good for the fish. 
Yeah. Which typically isn't the case. Not right uh, now, no. So that's that's the thing. Man. We've been blessed this year at Boxwood, yeah. to say the least. It's been uh, a great winter. Yeah, it's been a productive one. A lot of big fish. A lot of big fish. They love to eat. Kurt, you gonna get you get in on any of this? Ladies and gentlemen, we have Guy Kurt entering the podcast and subscribing. <laughs> but he's silent over there. He's silent, guy. He's, he's signing <laughs> this. Hold on. Serving beers. He's a deep thinker. Well, how long you been with 5280, Kurt? Uh, since its uh, origination, I worked with all these guides um, for uh, Hatch Fly Shop before that. So okay. that's when Jay Jay was actually working for Hatch Fly Shop as well. So um, worked with uh, Jay during that time, and since he started the his guide service. So. Nice, been a good experience. So you're well versed in. All areas of Decker shit. Yeah, Decker shit, yeah. I love Deckers. I believe I believe Deckers could be a world class fishery. Dude, it should have been designated wild and scenic. It it it, it no needs to be it needs to be because that water, if it was regulated, catch and release only, none of this flies and lures bullcrap, just flies, barbless, that could be a world-class fishery. We need to negate that part. <laughs> uh, spin fishermen have every right to be out there. That's the thing. It's, it still needs to be right. Well, you go back east, the fly fishing only water is fly fishing oh, yeah. only water. Fly fishing only water, water and spin water. Right. Exactly. Water. Dude, exactly. I'd love a tubing zone. And you know what else I'd love? A habitat stamp for every user. I love paying my habitat stamp because I know where it goes. Exactly. And I would love for everybody to love They should. They stamp. should. So I agree. Ron, when was the last time you've been checked for a license in Decker? The last time I got checked was this year on the Dreamstream. I was with you. Yeah. Well, I remember that same trip. Yeah. Were you there? Yeah. I had to run up to the truck yeah, and get it. Yeah, run up there, yeah. But uh, I haven't been checked at Decker's in a long time. Exactly. A couple I think, years. Yes. I was going to say the same thing. Um, I remember being checked. I can't ever remember getting checked. I used to get checked there long time ago. Yeah. And, you know, out there, out there, out in the middle of the river getting spotted with, you know, binoculars. No, I take that back. I did get checked about three years ago. But you don't see that presence down there also. No. So, I no. think that's... It's, I think it's, I think it's a matter of so many people moving in and they don't have the resources and I do think that if everybody contributed to the thing they love, the thing they're passionate about, I love it if you're passionate about tubing, I love it if you're passionate about spin fishing, I love it if you're passionate about fly fishing, but I believe in contribution toward that resource. Exactly. And, and I think that we could all benefit, and the Dow, or the DPW now, could benefit from that tremendously. I spent a long time talking to a DPW agent when we couldn't get a spot up there, and uh, he had mentioned that they're really stretched. And I think if everybody contributed a little bit more, the users contributed a bit more. There would be everybody more hug funds. a hunter, hug an angler, right? But hug a tuber. Hug a hiker. Hug the guy who parks well, for a picnic. They when, can all contribute to that habitat. When, when and if and we when, all benefit. When and if they paid for that concert. No, I, it's when, when and if they ranting here. And, but, Ben, when uh, and if they paid for that, and if they were tubing, they would have a flyer for the tubing practices, which would include a little respect for each other on the river, you know, and also to, to clean up after yourself we and so on. We can nanny it up all we want. But, <laughs> yeah, it's something. but if they were taught a little bit about yeah. respecting each other on the river, sure, then maybe... Cool, Heck, I love a tubing zone down there if it's going to get that yeah. way. Like, designate it. Designate the North it. Fork could be one kind of tubing paradise up from the confluence. Now, again, this is all like who's going to actually do it, who's going to be the person to, to enforce it. Yeah. But, boy, that's what happens when you're hitting as close as we are to a, to a major growing urban corridor yeah. when there's a lot of people who love it, and there's so many good reasons to love it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just a lack of resources. You know, you don't see the Dow down there. You don't see Jeffco down there. And and that, that does take resources, but 
that that helps though. It does. It, it keeps well, like he said, clothes. it could be a self-generating thing if they also Maybe. were buying a conservation Imagine stamp. I'm from Wyoming. Or if you have that much well, I'm sick. Yeah, it's uh, it's huge, man. Oops, sorry. Pay for, pay for what you use. I've been here two years now, and I've never been checked for a license. Now Crazy. we've got entering to fray Wyoming, who has put a major emphasis on creating quality fishing in the fisheries. Gray's Reef? Gray's Reef, yeah. Do they tube that? Tube it? Do people tube it? Tube. Oh, tube. no. Yeah, a little bit, but it's it's a little spooky. Um, we have you don't have the metro population like we do here. Correct, yeah. We, it's not a destination. I mean, you're not going to go up there to turn. No. Right, yeah. It's in a lot of wind, so... Yeah, and a lot of calm water. So trying to tube is it's like being on a lake in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> like a wind sail. Brendan Billinger with Wyoming Fly Fishing, and everybody calls me Bean. Nice. So nice to meet everyone. Yeah, I'm Ron. Nice to meet you. Sorry, what do you man. Guys I've been sick. Uh, we we do exclusively uh, just guide service. We don't have a fly shop. We're associated with one, um, and it's all drift boat. Um, about eight hours on the water. Um, it's one of the better fisheries in the United States, low pressure, and it's four hours from Denver, so we're pretty fortunate up there. That's why it's low pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's not a lot of public access, so there's not a lot of uh, wade fishermen and, and things yeah. like that. So it's the best place to have a boat of some sort. Rafts work. Um, Although Depending. we took a raft up there our first time got blown all over the river. We learned you need a drift boat. Yeah. yeah, you don't want the wind out of the east. <laughs> no, no. Our, our predominant wind, wind is southwest, right down the river, so we're pretty lucky there. Drift boats are better. Yeah, so, uh, low-sided drift boats, if you have them, are okay. probably ideal. Um, and I'm looking with these guys. We're going to go try and do Box Swift Canyon. Yeah, we need to go do that. That sounds like so much fun. But also, I talked to Ryan and we want to do June up there. Perfect. Yeah, like June's maybe perfect. Maybe take a little break between all your guided trips and try to throw Chuck Meat. He said Chuck Meat. Like, all right. Yeah, we can do it all summer. Um, we don't catch numbers when you're chucking meat, but, but uh, big fish. Yeah. Yeah. So how many guides you got, do you have on staff up there? Full-time, we have 10. Okay. Um, Part-time, 15, and we run up to 25, okay. depending on the season. Um, so we have a lot of guides come from Montana and Idaho and Jackson area uh, in the spring until runoff is done, and then they head head back up northwest, and uh, and things kind of calm down a little bit for us. So. What's your season? Our season is, well, we have guides out this weekend. Um Pretty much 12, 12 months of the year we can fish. Uh, it gets brutally cold, so <laughs> a lot of people don't like it. But uh, Sunday, it's, it's pretty awesome. So, so what? Uh, I guess what would be what would be in your mind the best month to go up there? I guess it's, it's probably dependent on what you want to fish. Uh, right, that's a real good question. We get it all the time. If you like dry flies. September, October. Looks like uh, uh, streamers. Eight to seven. September, October, November, December. Uh, the browns are spawning in December like heavily, the um, and then and nymphing uh, January through January. <laughs> uh, and I want to appreciate appreciate everybody bringing in us uh, in the well, you podcast here. Yeah, man. What's I'm your uh, the only one there What's your number one nymph? You had to pick oh, one. Uh, it's called, we call them rockworms. They're red annelids. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's the worm <laughs> podcast again. We've been talking worms all night. <laughs> nice. Chocolate to red. Yep. <laughs> purple worked purple, up there when purple, we were Purple, yeah. Hot-headed, hot-headed purple. Okay. It's because you're doing a lot of... It's deep, right? And yeah. So that purple shows up with that low, uh, low <coughs> frequency or whatever you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? high UV. A lot of pink on them. Um, and... If I had to choose one year-round, that would be it, or an egg pattern of some sort. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of man over here. Yeah. <laughs> Simple man. things that I can tie. You guys tie. got stones in there? Uh, we have yellow sallies, and Little. that's about it. Um, it's not a free-flowing river. It's a tailwater, so yeah. uh, pretty consistent water temperatures. Um, it gets mossy in the summer. But. So do you guys do the rock worms? Do you do them on the 
the English hook, or do you just do them on like a long 200 R or like a, a uh, mustad? Yeah. yeah, I call it a brain basher. Okay. Yeah, that's what I use. They're uh, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty brutal. The the caddis pupa, um, those we definitely always debarb. Um, yeah, those are you get it stuck here. Yeah, that's a pain to get out. Yeah, and just for the poor fish. I mean. Yeah. You know, we, we see days of 100 fish days, um, so, you know, that's a lot of fish to be sticking and, and then hurting them, so we try. Yeah. yeah, humble humble brag, by the way. Yeah, yeah, very humble. <laughs> we do that at Boxwood. Yeah. Oh, here's my fish. Hey, nothing wrong with anything. Anything over one fish is a good day. I had the coolest client. She was 93. And 93? She, yeah. Dude, I was telling the story about 80, and I'm like... Spry 80. I'm like, can you blink? But you're talking 93. 93. Sorry, oh, no worries, man. She was on uh, her husband. A lady. Yeah. Her husband that was deceased and her used to go fishing a lot. And they were on their way to uh, a family vacation to Yellowstone. And she's like, uh, they dropped her off to go fishing for a couple days. And, and their name was Phyllis. And I said, Phyllis, you know, what, what's your expectations for the day? She goes... You mean fish-wise? And I said, yeah. And she said, between 1 and 99. I said, you know, that's pretty specific, Phyllis. And she uh, said, why I, why 1? She goes, well, anything, you know, as long as you get a fish, that's good. And uh, I said, 99. She goes, anything over that just hurts. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. And she was one of my favorite clients I've ever... I haven't seen her again. I don't know if she's still around. But uh, she was cool. She, uh, she had her family drop her off. Because she said she'd seen Yellowstone twice, so she's like, "At my age, you don't, you don't go see stuff you've already seen." Before, yeah, old so. faithful doesn't change much. No, in years. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Well, I better get back to my booth, but I appreciate the time. Yeah, man. Ah, okay. If you can read it. Yep. They're the cheapest ones I could get. <laughs> you guys have a YouTube channel too, right? We do. We do. Uh, and you do the week? Is it weekly? We do, try to do weekly. Not much in the winter, but I know in the summertime you guys are pretty religious with it. Yeah. If there's changes, we definitely get on on uh, YouTube. If not, we try to do it as much as possible. But yeah, red rock or purple rock lens. Um, Purple's a good color, man. Yeah. It's Purple, good seeing everybody. The, the braided. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Please visit us at TroutPornNation.com or find us on Facebook, I'll make you famous, <laughs> Twitter, or Instagram. The Trout Porn Podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. Don't forget to visit our sponsor, 5280Angler at 5280Angler.com. May the force be with you. Hasta la vista, baby. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out!